The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Welcome to a discussion of radical fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, laissez-faire capitalism, and individual rights. The Yaron Brooks Show starts now. Wow, what an ugly weekend. And I'm not talking about the weather. The weather here in Southern California is actually gorgeous. I'm talking about what happened in Charlottesville. I mean, ugh, ugly, both sides. Alt-right, alt-left. This is what the country is boiling down to, a, a battle between fascists of the right and fascists of the left. Now, we talked about this in the first hour. I, I want to talk in the second hour after I take a couple of calls. I want to talk about two things primarily in the second hour. The response, primarily the response of President Trump and the Republican leadership, and who I think is going to win, right? Who I think is going to win. Uh, now, if you want in on the conversation, 888-900-3393, uh, I'm curious, what do you think? Uh, who, who's going to win this all-out battle for the soul and future of America? Who are you worried, worried about? Alt-left, alt-right? And, um, and, and here I mean the violent left, violent right, and everybody who supports them and everybody who apologizes for them and everything else. And um, what do you think about President Trump showing leadership at this moment of uh, talking about unity? Let's come together as one. Isn't that good stuff? All right. We're going we're gonna to start with, uh, with uh, whoops, I thought, what, did we lose somebody? Yes, we lost somebody. All right. Sorry. Somebody uh, dropped off. Um, we're going to start with uh, Xavier, who's calling from Australia. Hey, Xavier, how's it going? Hey, um, I just wanted to uh, challenge you on something you said earlier. Sure. Um, I think you have to be very careful when you support the removal of certain statues. I think it can be very, a fatuous form of escapism, and um, I think it has been shown to be quite, quite dangerous. Um, I, I think the importance of statues really are is that they allow us to in a very public forum to say, hey, this was a bad guy and this is why he's bad and this is what he did. And by removing these statues, you lead these discourses and debates to ferment and fester and froth and boil into things that we've seen at the moment. I think, especially, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar, but a couple of weeks ago, there was a a statue of Karl Marx that was erected in Manchester in England. Yep. Um, And I... And I, I condemn Karl Marx as a horribly evil person, but I, I, his statue allows me to point him out as he sort of deserves to be. And I, I don't think you can make history be forgotten. No, and I think I, it look, deserves to be looked in the eye and um, just so you don't make the same mistake. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. I think history should not be forgotten. I think history needs to look in the eye. But then let's talk for a minute about what statues represent and what erecting a statue for Karl Marx or for or for a Confederate general represent. Uh, and it depends, of course, who erects the statue, but whoever erects the statue is saying, this is somebody I respect and admire. This is somebody you should stop in front of and contemplate, not in a negative way, because the statues are always heroic and positive. This is art. This is not history. This is art. And art elicits a certain response. And when you see... A statue of courageous, brave General Lee sitting on his horse. That's not just history. That's saying, and particularly if it's on a state property, that's saying this is somebody important, but not just important historically. This is something, and this goes to the role of art. This is somebody to be emulated. This is somebody to be admired. 
So I, I, I'm not calling for the destruction of the history. Quite the contrary. I think we don't know enough of the history and we've distorted the history and we've perverted the history. Um, but, but what I'm saying is put it in a museum. Or, or, you know, suddenly people can have statues and private property. They can put up whatever they want. But on public property, it's reflecting the state's position. It, it shouldn't, I mean, they shouldn't be public property. This is part of the problem. They shouldn't be statues and public property uh, in none of these things. I mean, really, we shouldn't even have a Jefferson Memorial and a Lincoln Memorial because, because it's wrong for the state to take positions. But it certainly is wrong for the state to take positions that are antagonistic to the very foundational principles of the United States. Uh, it should be in a museum. Um, people who express violent ideology should not be admired and respected, but they should be understood for what, you know, for the historical context in which, in which they, uh, uh, in which they existed. Um, so I, you know, so, and, and suddenly, you know, I think erecting a statue of Marx on anybody's property should be condemned because, uh, you know, this is a murderous, uh, evil, uh, a philosopher who, who caused the deaths of over 100 million people, and that should be pointed out. Now, you could use the statue as an example. I don't believe in blowing up the statue, uh, particularly if it's on private property, uh, but public funds to erect a statue for Marx, it's, it's just disgusting. Now, it's almost well, I mean, as bad as teaching Marx positively in our schools. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, I think I, the problem I, with that is, you know, yep. if you remove the figure, if you remove the public figure from statues, you just yep. end up with very bland sort of conceptual statues that may represent philosophies, but those philosophies could just change. Well, I don't um, believe in conceptual statues time. for anybody. I think those are, those are horrible. But that's, but that's what you, I guess you're espousing by removing the... No, you, I'm espousing, you, I'm espousing no... The, the pillar. I'm espousing uh, uh, the, the statues of people who are clearly offensive... Um, and who clearly do not represent the values of America, not stand for America. Now, again, I would prefer a situation where there was no public property and therefore there was no opportunity for the government to erect statues. But given that they're going to erect statues, then, then, you know, do it for, for the small number of people who we can generally agree are, are, are pro American and, and not for the people who are not. And I, you know, I, I think some of the most amazing pictures, uh, uh, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, were when uh, the statues of Lenin and Stalin were pulled down by the people. Some of the most amazing pictures out of Iraq were when Saddam Hussein's statue was pulled down. I mean, all that turned out badly, but but generally, that was a powerful picture. People people taking uh, you know uh, viewing these statues as an expression for what they really were and ripping them down, and 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 that's a powerful image. And the opposite of that is the erection of those statues or the continued support and maintenance. I mean, the government keeps spending money on these statues because they have to be maintained, cleaned, and so on. But I agree with you in this sense. The history is important, and the history is crucial. And you don't want to take down these statues just, as an, just because you were pressured by Black Lives Matter to do it or by some other racist leftist organization to do it. You, you, you want to do it because of a well-understood principle. And that's where I agree with you we fail because certainly, uh, certainly people today um, don't get the principle behind us. They, they don't get it. They view it more as, as just uh, uh, appeasing a pressure group. And, and that's what's happening. And, and, and to that extent, to that extent, you're right. All right. Thanks, Xavier. Really appreciate the call all the all way right. from Australia. 
And uh, let's see, we, we've got, yeah, let's take a quick call uh, from Dave in Portland. And Dave, I need you to be quick because we're coming up to a break. Yes, you're on. Yes, you're on. Thank you. Sure. Um, I don't know if you talked about this or not. I got on a little bit late, but I, I was definitely noticing that the media and authorities, while justified in sort of, you know, condemning the uh, alt-right values, you know, it's disgusting. But I did notice that there was an absence in condemning the violent behavior of the anti-protesters. Yep. No, I think that's right. I think that generally there was a lack of condemning anybody. So uh, President Trump did not condemn anybody. Uh, He he did not condemn anybody specifically. He did not left or right. Um, Virginia, the Virginia governor uh, did not, at least in the in the initial response, did not condemn anybody specifically. Mitch McConnell did not condemn anybody specifically. Paul Ryan did not condemn anybody specifically, left or right. And and particularly in this case, given that somebody was killed, given that somebody from these alt-right groups got in a car and ran people over, mimicking what Islamic terrorists do, that should have been condemned to hell and high water. It should have been condemned from every uh, bully pulpit in America. And then if you want to condemn the left as well, fine. But you got to condemn the people who marched. you got to condemn their ideology, and you got to condemn the violence that they caused. They killed somebody. And he, was, he wasn't alone because it, what, it, what, what it looks like is that, that people were guiding him out of there, helping him out. Now, luckily, he was caught. And, and of course, uh, as the days unfold, we'll get more of that story. But... Uh, the condemnation just wasn't there. And when we come back, we're, we're going to go for a break quickly. Thanks, Dave. Uh, we're going to talk more about uh, President Trump's response, the response of other political leaders, and uh, what that all means and what that has to do with all of this. And then I want to get to the question of who's going to win this. And um, we had a caller. I think he's still there. Uh, yes, we've got a caller from Jersey City, Mohammed, uh, who wants to talk about who's going to – who's. Uh, who uh, is going to win this, and we're going to go to that. But it might be a little while, so stay online there. Uh, all right, you're listening to your Ron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We're going to be right back. PhD, author, media contributor. This is the Yaron Brooks Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Brooks show. All right, we're talking Charlottesville and alt-right and alt-left and everything that has to do with that. And now it's going to affect your life if this spreads across America. We're already seeing repeated, repeated fights between the alt-left and alt-rights in the streets of Portland, Oregon. This has become a regular featured thing. The, the, the alt-right marches, the alt-left shows up, they start fighting, the police to a large extent leave them alone. Um, Portland's a pretty small place. It's 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 not pleasant to be in the streets of Portland on the weekend. Uh, not to mention the stabbing that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, where a alt right racist uh, stabbed three men who were trying to uh, protect a couple of girls who he was being who he was harassing with uh, anti-Muslim and anti. Um, 
you know, minority slurs. And all they, all these guys did was step in and say, hey, cool it, guy. You can't be harassing these girls. Pulled out a knife, stabbed them. Two of them died. That was in Portland. Portland, Oregon. Portland, it turns out, has been a haven for white supremacists uh, since the early part of the 20th century. So it's it's Portland is classic because it's nutty left and the nutty right has a real presence there. All right, if you want to end in the conversation, it's 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. And if you don't believe that uh, that they are racists in this country, check out my uh, my YouTube feed right now because they're there. They're there. You know, I've been called by somebody. I've been, anyway, the N-word, I've been called, and then and then I get I get things like uh, the South shall rise again, a clear uh, indication. Abraham Lincoln didn't believe in racial equality. He wanted blacks to go to Africa. So the racists are, in four, are there. Uh, they're advocating for their version of collectivistic hatred uh, and for their anti-American uh, garbage. And... Um, you know, just just in case uh, you, you, you want to see it, you can go to uh, YouTube and search your own book. By the way, you should all be uh, you should all uh, what do you call it? Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can also follow me on uh, Facebook. It's Y Brook Y B R O O K, and on Twitter, Yaron Brook Y A R O N B R O O K. So follow me on Twitter, like me on Facebook, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can also get this and a bunch of other things that I do as a podcast by going to your favorite podcast app and putting my name in and downloading. It'll download automatically, and you can follow much of what I do and much of what I say through that. Uh, so I encourage you to all do that. So let's let's talk about what our political leader said. So, so President Trump had a, a live press, a, a kind of a live uh, presentation yesterday, and he said stuff about condemning the hatred and we all need to come together. And uh, he talked about the hatred on many sides. Right. Now, it is true there is hatred on many sides. But it is also true that a, um, a alt-right person just killed somebody, supposedly from the other side, I don't know what this woman uh, was about, and injured who knows how badly, 19 other people. You don't just come out and say on many sides. You want to include as one of the sides the Antifa or whatever the ultra-left version is, fine. But name names. Condemn the ideology of both left and right. Condemn white supremacy. Remember how long it took the candidate Trump to distance himself from David Duke? David Duke, the KKK. This should be an easy one, Mr. President, a really, really easy one. You should be anti-KKK. You should condemn them to hell. So Trump is not. Trump is not leading on this issue. He tweeted today, we must rem remember this truth. No matter our color, creed, religion, or political party, we are all Americans first. What the hell does that mean? What does being America first mean? The slogans. I guess he doesn't want to condemn the rally of the Unite the Right because many of them were wearing, um, what do you call it, uh, baseball caps with Make America Great Again. Maybe because many of them voted for him and he doesn't want to alienate some of the people who voted for him and he doesn't want to alienate maybe the silent, I won't say majority, but the silent large number of people who, while are not going to go march for white supremacy, are not going to go march with... 
uh, with the Nazis, a kind of at the margins, maybe a little sympathetic. I don't think that's a small group. I think that's a significant group. Some of them are on my YouTube feed right now. And he doesn't want to alienate them because they voted for him. Why? I, you know, because I, I really don't think Donald Trump, as Donald Trump, the person, is a racist or a bigot. I, I, I don't get that sense. I, I, I think Donald Trump is whatever he thinks will lead him to victory, to win. Right? I think Bannon is a bigot and a racist, but, uh, but also somebody who uses bigotry and racism to, to achieve an end. Uh, the end is what matters to both of them. But why won't he just say, I condemn neo-Nazis, I condemn white supremacists, and I condemn those who come to protest them if, when they come to protest them, they are intent on using violence. I condemn violence because even though the ideas of these people on the alt-right are despicable, are hateful, this is what the president should have said. They have a right to say it. And those, those on the left who would come to beat them up, they're no better. They're no better if what they have to do is be violent. Show some leadership. Defi- I mean, I don't need a philosophical statement. Okay, he's not going to make a philosophical statement. He, he, that's not him. That's not any president that we've seen in modern history, right? in modern memory. He's not going to come out and say, look, America's for individualism. We believe in the sanctity of the individual. We live in the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for the individual. Anybody, anybody who marches for the sake of the collective, for the sake of a group, for the sake of the race, for the sake of whatever, a collective agenda, is anti-American and wrong, left or right, doesn't matter. I condemn them all. And those, not only who march for these ideas, but then who are willing to raise a bat or a fist or use a car, in violent ways to promote these ideas that is evil and that is where law and order will manifest itself. We will not tolerate this. We will not tolerate any violence. But he has to condemn the ideas. These are anti-American ideas. And they manifest in violence. Now this is a president who attacked Obama, attacked Obama, for not being willing to call terrorism e- radical Islamic terrorism. Attacked Obama for not having the courage to call it Islamic. Well, it's about time, Mr. President, that you had the courage to call these racists what they are. Call them out for the bigots that they are. Call them out for the racists that they are. Call them out for the anti-Americans that they are. And call out the leftists who use violence to attack them or use violence to silence people. Call them out for the fascists that they are. You can't just single out Muslims. If we want to call out people, then let's call out people. Let's make it explicit and let's stand up for what America really values, what America's, what's really truly American, which is the sanctity of the individual. All right. We're going for a break. You're listening to Iran Book Show. We'll be right back. You won't hear traditional political views here. This is the Iran Book Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
Well, I do want to talk about the media coverage of Charlottesville and generally the media coverage of, of, of the, this battle, if you will, raging in our streets, but more importantly in our minds at our universities, it generally across the culture, this battle between the alt-right and the alt-left. That's what I'm calling it right now. The fascists on the right and the fascists on the left, all of them are, are basically all the same. They're all collectivists. They're all forms of fascism. Uh, and Tifa on the right, uh, and, and, and Fita, and Tifa, and Fita, anti-fascist, yeah, and Fita on the left, and, the, you know, the various alt-right groups on the right. Um, and, and of course, on the left, I would also put, uh, to, to a large extent, Black Lives Matter, what Black Lives Matter has morphed into. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the coverage of the media, because there's no question, there's no question that the media is unbelievably biased when it comes to the coverage of these events. When it is a, a, uh, a an alt-right type event, march, demonstration, when they get violent, it's all over the media. It's everywhere. When uh, Antifa and, and Fita or at Berkeley or at Evergreen or at, uh, or, or at other universities in other places get violent, pepper spray people, people just standing around, pepper spray them. Club them. Destroy property. There's almost no mention in the media. There is no question in my mind that the cultural elites, the media, uh, many of our commentators, are at least quietly sympathetic with the violence of the left. Now, there was a, there was a, a good article written in, um, in uh, the... Uh, where is it? I'm looking for it. Uh, in Atlantic, uh, on the rise of the violent left, written actually by a leftist, and, and there's some moderate leftists who, who I think are, are, are on the right side on these issues. And, and he documents, you can find it, the rise of the violent left uh, on, um, on uh, the Atlantic magazine. And he covers the rise of, of an, an Antifa and uh, what they represent, what they stand for, the danger they represent, how many, many, many on the left are apologetic, ap ap uh, you know, apologetic for them, uh, give them a free, a free pass, and uh, how evil and how bad they really are and what the consequences are going to be uh, for them. So it, it's good to see people on the left condemning this, people on the left recognizing this. Uh, I wish it was more. I wish there were more people. Uh, who, who condemned who condemned us and realized the awful consequences of all this. But there's no question. There's no question when it comes to the media that the media is biased. Now, it, there's also no question that Fox and the so-called right-wing media does the opposite. They they overemphasize um, the stuff that is convenient for them, and they underemphasize other things. So I don't want to let the media off the hook here because the media uh, also – you know, elevates things to, 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 to kind of our consciousness and, and makes things clear, uh, real to us. And, and to the extent that they emphasize some things like the, the, the alt-right and de-emphasize other things like the alt-left, they give the impression that one is on the rise and the other one is not, and, and one is more violent than the other one. And it's not obvious that that's the case. Both of these movements, in my view, have achieved an incredible amount of momentum an incredible amount of strength since the election. Both are growing, uh, uh, you know, over the last year, but particularly since the election. And uh, both, I think, represent a, a real threat to the country. 
a real threat to the country. In my view, a much bigger threat to the country than North Korea does, because I don't think that North Korea would ever do, would ever actually launch against us. Um, but these movements, these ideologies, these think thinkers, if you could call them thinkers at all, uh, are undercutting what it is to be an American. And ultimately, they are forcing us to take sides and forcing us to take sides between a fascist left and a fascist right. God help this country. And that doesn't mean I believe in God because I said God. I don't. All right. Um, we are going to go to Mohammed in Jersey City. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Hello? Yes. Hello, you're on. Yeah. Um, I was thinking for a while now um, about this idea that this country is starting to look more like Weimar Germany, where there's constant clashes between, you know, far left and far right activists. Yep. And yep. what I think is going to happen is, is if you're going to discuss this in terms of who's going to win, yep. we're all going to be losers in that sense. Everyone's sure. going to lose. Sure. But only one side can package their ideas in ways that Americans, as they exist today, can swallow them. I, I don't think the way the left conducts itself with, you know, the anti-American bashing that we should all be ashamed of, you know, being um, American. Yep. You know, if you're white, you have this innate guilt. That's, that's not going to be something that the country at large is going to, you know, accept. Um, and however repulsive the views of the alt-right is, it's still, it, it can manage to hide its uh, odious character better than the left can. In so, that sense, they would probably be the long-term yeah. victors. Yeah, so so thanks. I mean, you're a great lead-in to what I want to say, because I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely, and not only that, uh, I would refer everybody to the work of, of uh, maybe the, the, the best living philosopher today, uh, Leonard Peikoff, who has written a couple of books on exactly this issue. One is The Ominous Parallels, where he draws parallels between the rise of Nazism in Germany and uh, the rise, ultimately, of, of, of fascism in the United States. And, and he, he wrote this book in, in 1980, I think, or 1981. Um, and, and it's playing out just as he predicted. And a, a more a, a recent book that he wrote, Dim, the, the, the Dim Hypothesis, uh, which is more philosophical, uh, has, has to do with his views about integration. And I'm not going to get into the here. Uh, but basically, he is predicting, again, that what we're likely to get is some kind of integrated authoritarianism from, let's call it, the right, um, integrated at, around something. And, 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 and here's the essential argument that I think Mohammed is making and, and that I would agree with. Thanks for calling, by the way. Really appreciate it. And, and I think you're absolutely right. The left is so nihilistic. The left is so fragmented in its, in its thinking, and I put thinking in quote. It, it's anti-science, anti-everything that every common American recognizes. It's anti-American in such a deep, obvious, in-your-face sense that the left will never, in spite of the fact that it holds the, the, the cultural, um, it, it holds the cultural high ground. It, it controls the culture. It controls the universities. It controls the media. It cannot win because, by the way, it's controlled all those things for 50 to 100 years. And it, it, it's won slowly, but very, 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 very slowly. It cannot win ultimately, particularly not in its current form. The nihilistic, 
anti-human life, explicit form. It is so clearly out to smash everything that Americans believe in. And in that sense, I think the alt-left is less dangerous because I think people see it for what it is. Even some people on the left see it for what it is. The alt-right, though, is different. The alt-right embraces the American flag. The alt-right wraps itself in the American flag. Not just in the American flag qua flag, but in the kind of ideas, the, 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 the history, the symbolism, the, 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 the rhetoric. They claim to be the true inheritors of the, of the founding fathers. Wrongly, 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 but they claim that. They're much harder to see through, particularly if they're not carrying Nazi flags around and they're not, you know, explicitly KKK. I mean, the biggest mistake the alt-right makes from a strategic point of view is embracing symbols that are so clearly antagonistic to most Americans. They could smuggle their ideas in much more effectively by not going all out like that. I don't know why I'm giving the alt-right ideas. And you can see many who hide their racism with this. And then you get to the point where the president of the United States is not going to condemn them because he understands that at least part of what they stand for has some appeal in the public out there. And you don't get Republicans really standing up against them. Some, just like there's some leftists who stand up against Unfeatal. I think the long-term prognosis here is that the alt-right is going to be on the rise and the alt-left in decline. I think nationalism is much more appealing than nihilism and anarchy. I think, and I think you saw that. You saw the hints of that. You saw the beginnings of that in the election of Donald Trump. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, and uh, when we get back, we're going to wrap things up. We've got a couple of calls. I'll try to get to you, but I don't promise I'm going to get to you because there's some wrapping up to do here. And um, you're listening to Ron Brooks Show, and we're on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll be right back. This is the Yaron Brooks Show. The Blaze Radio Network. So we're discussing Charlottesville today, sad, but necessary. Um, and Charlottesville has really brought to the forefront the, the, the cultural war that is going on out there between two groups of anti-American collectivists, the alt-right and what we'll call the alt-left. And it, it, it is only going to get worse because they feed off of each other. I don't know that the alt-right would have come to prominence if not for the alt-left and the alt-left's um, uh, uh, just nihilistic, anti-American and, and dominant uh, presence and, and really dominance, particularly on American universities. Uh, this is not a case where, um, uh, you know, the left, where they both have the same kind of mouthpieces. The left clearly dominates uh, all the, the, the cultural elite, uh, universities and, and media and, and elsewhere, right? 
The response to it has been the response to the nihilism, the response to the violence of the left, the response to the to the advocacy of the left to bring about socialism in America, the response to Bernie Sanders and the ability of Bernie Sanders to do as well as he did was not was not tragically for America a call for individualism was not tragically for America a call for capitalism was not tragically for America a call for a return to the founding principles of this country. Instead, the response to Bernie Sanders, the alt-left, the dominance of the left at our universities, the dominance of the left, the dominance of the left of our media, the response has been a call for nationalism, a call for false patriotism, a call to build walls on our borders to keep those immigrants out. And don't give me, it's only against illegal immigrants. We know now, we know now that it's to stop all immigrants. What we got was not a call for the founding principles of America. What we call is an, it was to a, to a set of ideas that is as anti-American as the left is. And now the question is, now that it's laid out before us, the leftist nihilism and the rightist authoritarianism, both that lead to authoritarianism, of course, and totalitarianism, who are you going to go with? And my suspicion is, then when it comes down to the American people, they are more likely to go right than they are to go left. Now, I hope they go in either direction. I still hope that there is in the American spirit, the spirit of revolution, the spirit of the founders, the spirit of individualism, the spirit of capitalism, the spirit of individual rights. But to do that, we, those of us who believe in those things, who believe in freedom, who believe in liberty, who believe in individual rights, who believe in individualism, who believe in not judging other people based on the color of their skin or the way they look, but based on their character, we need to rise up. We need to rise up to fight both groups. We need to rise up to oppose both groups. And that means criticizing the right when the right deserves to be criticized. It means criticizing the left when the left need, needs to be criticized. And it means objecting to violence where they come from the left or from the right. It means standing and understanding and integrating what it really means to be an American, what the American ideology is, so that we know what to fight for. And this is not a white nation. This is not a European nation. This is not a blood and soil nation. This is a nation built in the rejection, ultimately, of all those ideas. This is a nation that fought a civil war in order partially to reject those very ideas. This is a nation built on the ideas of freedom and liberty for the individual. This is a nation built on the ideas of the pursuit of happiness for the individual. A nation built on the idea that if we disagree with one another, the means to, to deal with that disagreement is debate and argument and human reason, not violence. And therefore, we must all rise up, not just against the fascists of left and right, but for reason and individualism, for the real founding 
ideas of this country for an America we can all be proud of. All right, depressing, depressing world we live in sometimes. But there's a lot of good out there, and I believe in the end, we will win. All right, you've been listening to Ron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hope to listen to you next week. Uh, talk to you then. Applying the principles of rational self-interest and individual rights on your radio. It's the Yaron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network.